Welcome back to another episode of Suds and Cinema. My name's Kyle. And I'm Josh. This is episode 114, and tonight we are discussing The Black Phone. From Black. Josh's boy. It's got It's your boy now. Nope. It's your boy still? Maybe. Well, it's definitely your boy now. What? Spoiler. Maybe. We'll get into it. Maybe. Who's to say? Um, doing a little bit of remote recording, so just bear with us here. Uh, might be a shorter episode. I am in a hotel, and the internet was so bad, we uh, couldn't even communicate effectively, so I'm hotspotting on my phone. But the show must go on. And Jacob's not here, but the show must go on. So this kind of reminds me of, you know, back in the old days, episode four or five, <laughs> something <laughs> like that. Yeah, well, don't don't jinx us. All right, well, yeah. <clears throat> um, so, yeah, I'm in the uh, worst state, probably the worst city in that state, Lima, Ohio. Literally couldn't <laughs> fucking find a single, like, place that sold craft beer. Like, everywhere is, like, a ghetto-ass liquor store. And, yeah, they have, like, the most basic options. The gas station had more craft beer options than, like, any liquor store that I went to. So, um. It is Josh's pick. Uh, so, Josh, why don't you introduce the beer, and then I'll tell you what I'm drinking. Okay. So, I got Raspy Cat. So, I was trying to get an Ohio beer since Kyle was in Ohio. This is out of Cincinnati. We've featured them before. Uh, Ryan Geist Brewery. Um, and this is a wheat beer. Uh, description reads... Glowing with a ruby red haze and purring with notes of raspberry and cherry. Raspy Cat is a tasty trip through vibrant fields of flavor. A bright, refreshing, and slightly tart profile is underscored by light and toasty wheat malt. This one is, or this is one colorful cat. Uh, ABV is at 5%. Um, IBUs are unlisted. So, yeah. Fruited wheat beer. I was so summer. I figured it'd be easy accessible, but obviously in Lima, Ohio, they don't believe in craft beer. So no, and I can kind of see why. I mean, the population here is not your typical craft beer drinkers. So, um, but oh, I did yeah. find a beer from Rheingeist. It's uh the truth or just truth. Sorry, uh, it's kind of like damn. I almost grabbed IPA. that one too. <laughs> eh, it's okay. That I mean, one I've I had have, I've had it before. But yeah, it's uh, nothing special. I've had it before. It's um, it's mid mid plus. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, we'll just we'll stick with your with your recommendation there. All right, let's fucking get into it. We got to fly through this. A little bit better than I remember, but still mid for an American IPA. Yeah, I had it in April, apparently. I don't know where it was, but April 22nd, Truth. I had it. Oh, at the Dirty Bird. Nice. I gave it a 3.5. It's probably where I'm at. Know. Yeah. Yeah, you right, well. went up. You got to recheck it in, Kyle. <laughs> uh, it it's only a quarter. Up. It's only a quarter. <laughs> Let's just keep it there. Make things easy. What is your <laughs> okay. beer like, though? The featured beer. 
Tell us it's about good. Raspy Cat. It's uh, solid. It's definitely uh, raspberry wheat on the sweeter side, but tis the season. It's It was 84 degrees out today. Beautiful summer day. Anticipation of lake. We have lake in our forecast. Lake days coming up this weekend, so might as well prep with some nice fruited wheat beer on the lighter side. So definitely uh, right for the season. All right, there you go. All right, let's move right along. Let's uh, get into our featured review here. We're talking The Black Phone. The Black Phone is written by, uh, sorry, based on the story by Joe Hill, uh, written by Scott Derrickson and C. Robert Cargill. Uh, Directed by Scott Derrickson, stars Mason Thames, or Thames, uh, Madeline McGraw, Ethan Hawke, and Jeremy Davies. Plot synopsis reads, after being abducted by a child killer and locked in a soundproof basement, a 13-year-old boy starts receiving calls on a disconnected phone from the killer's previous victims. Well, let's take a listen to a clip. I know you're scared and you want to go home. I'll take you home soon. Sister, I gotta be upstairs for a while. Something's come up. What? Never mind what. Someone's coming. I'll scream. If someone's upstairs, they'll hear me. With the door shut, no one can hear anything down here. I soundproofed it myself. So shout if you like, you won't bother anyone. If you try to touch me, I'll scratch your face. And whoever's coming will see and ask why. This face? All right, what did you think of The Black Phone? I liked it. Um, no, that was just honor, Jacob. I did like it, didn't That's love Jacob's it. Review, so. At, yeah, there's Jacob, featured guest. Um, no, I did like it, didn't hate it, didn't love it. Um, Scott Derrickson, obviously, we joke around, but we were both pretty big fans of Sinister when it came out. Um, you rewatched it very pretty recently um went down on your second viewing but um Mm -hmm. he definitely has a style i mean he loves obviously with sinister he worked with child children actors young teen uh, actors and then um as well as this one um he loves his found footage um (laughs) or like i don't know how to describe it but it's um, like a filter, like a from, film, yeah, some like kind of past, like documentary found footage, kind of. <clears throat> yep. Mm-hmm. Like a hand cam, yeah. So that was like very much indicative in both films, both Sinister and this. Um, but honestly, I would like kind of. I didn't know what this was going to be about. I didn't know anything about these getting calls from these past kids. So. I think that the synopsis would like kind of ruin it almost or like make it even less than because I mean, when that happened, I was surprised by it. And I think that giving that away kind of hurts the film, I would say quite a bit. Um, but I think that Ethan Hawke's performance, I didn't know that he was the antagonist of this of the film and I had no idea. Really, I didn't know. I didn't even know this was set in the seventies. I honestly wanted to be a blind eye to this, like we typically do. But this mm-hmm. one in particular, just because knowing it was Scott Derrickson, um, 
knowing how much I liked Sinister when I first saw it, I really wanted to just put a blind my blinders on and um, not really um, get watch anything or know anything about this film. So I'm going into it pretty open, and I've been I've been itching for a new uh, big screen horror movie. So um, you know, this was right up my alley. Was it horror? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think I. Don't, I really never really got tense even. I think it fell flat on the horror aspect of it. Um, and it just left me wanting more almost. It was very, very thin. And there wasn't really like a through line. Like it, like the character, He like what happens, happens. But there's no real like meat to the bone. It was pretty bare. And um, obviously, I don't know what the book or story or whatever it's based on. But I mean for an hour and 42 runtime i felt like it could have had a little bit more to it but at the same time it even felt rushed at times like it was just kind of i don't know it just it didn't feel like as as whole and as um collective i think that as sinister did and i think that that's what made sinister such a good movie for me personally because i don't know it just felt more rounded and had like a more uh, like a better storyline and and ethos around it and myth around it where this was just kind of it just happened and then you just get the character from the jump and then there was no like i don't know like like i want like a backstory almost of the character and there's no there's no character like he is what he is and there's nothing behind it like you don't really know why he's doing what he's doing what he's doing <laughs> like you don't really and if they did say it, I didn't get it, but um, it just, yeah. it was, I don't know. There wasn't a lot, a lot of meat to the bones, I guess I, I can say. Yeah, I think you can definitely tell it's a short story that's been expounded upon. I mean, it's mm-hmm. pretty cliche, pretty tropey. Um, yeah, the, the grabber you know nothing about, which is Ethan Hawke's character. That's what they call him, the grabber. Um, I, I thought it was kind of tonally all over the place like when there's there's some needle drops in there that are like very peppy and upbeat and it's just they just feel like out of place the tone is shifting like all over the place it feels like that kind of wants to get like you know not the not the stranger things vibe because that's like this the 80s but you know similar to like it and have those like kids the kid actors are the main focus and they're you know, naivete and just play off of that. But, and I guess the, I guess the writer, I don't know why he doesn't go by King or I don't even know what, how their names work or whatever, but I guess it's Stephen King's son. Um, and I didn't know that, didn't know that going into it, but it does kind of feel like a Stephen King adaptation. But yeah, I just felt like it could have been darker for the subject matter. I thought it wasn't scary at all. I wasn't crazy about Joe the performances. Hill is? I, I guess so. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, well, I mean, just overall, I, I didn't really care for this movie. I'm, I am more critical of horror. I'm not more critical of horror. I just play, I just judge them on the same level as other movies, which some people, um, you know, don't really think is fair, but they're should be all, you know, they should all be the same. And with Sinister, like that aesthetic that you were talking about, like the old 
film grain and stuff like that, that filter, it made sense because they were like, he was watching old film on like a projector and seeing those, you know, that creepy imagery. And this, it was like, just felt like a filter just to have it. It didn't feel like purposeful. And so there's like some dumb logic nitpicks too, but overall, yeah, I just didn't, didn't really care for this movie. Um, knowing or like you said when in sinister it made sense because um he had like he found the footage in the house so he was watching it where this one it was supposed to be like a dream i think but um yeah. like the dream like what no one dreams like in film <laughs> like that and like then then it changed tonally because there would be um parts where the dream wouldn't look like the film so it was it was kind of weird but um yeah it was i mean good not great i guess would be my 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 absolute opinion of it yeah so uh, again just like with the the tone being all over the place i i feel like they were trying to do maybe too much with with the runtime or, or like they didn't have that experience um that material to expound upon really it's uh like the girl that whole storyline with the mom the dad is like that gets wrapped up at the end very quickly uh we don't know that much about finn we know nothing about the grabber uh just like all of these things like they're it's very very shallow and even like the horrific imagery they it's just pretty much like ghosts or whatever and they're just there and like they're you know lip syncing with the phone but all of like the scares in this are all jump scares like ethan hawks just like his look and the mask and stuff is like creepy i guess but anything like horrific it's all reply all relies on jump scares i i i didn't think it was scary at all and i thought that was like really dumb that kind of was just annoying that every time there was a jump it was just because of a jump scare like I think that's such a lazy thing to do in horror movies. Okay, so as we uh, mentioned, we were are, are doing a remote recording. And uh, I was trying to record um, in a hotel while I was out of town for work. And the internet was so bad that uh, it literally was unrecordable. So uh, if the first part of this episode sounds a little weird, that would be why we had some technical difficulties but uh, back home, and we're going to finish the episode. And uh, yeah, so let's just get into spoilers here for the Black Phone. Um, might go over some more general thoughts too. <laughs> I'm trying to, <clears throat> yeah. you know, the, the first part was a jumbled mess. So, <clears throat> you know, if there's any general thoughts, that's fine as well. But um, yeah, let's get into it. What, uh, what do you have for spoilers? Um, so obviously, spoilers. Um, I, the kid gets away which I don't know if that's spoiling or not because it's kind of a given, it feels like. But, you know, the I did somewhat enjoy how... I did enjoy how they were able to... It's kind of a little bit corny, at, a little bit corny, I guess, or cliche, but um, the way that they were able to incorporate the conversations that the kids were having into a coherent sentence that the grabber was listening to when he put it, the phone to his ear. That was kind of cool because 
you thought these conversations these conversations were too thin, but they were also like connected to a message um yeah. for the for the um grabber. So I thought that was kind of cool. Um they could it could have been a lot muddier or a lot cornier, I guess, and I feel like it was done pretty well. Um I I mean I think it was done ex- very well for the content provided, but um you know, it was it was kind of cool how he also integrated all of the not like originally he thought they were all mess ups, but it seems like almost that everything that happened was meant to happen. It just had to get to that point, yeah. which was also kind of cool. So I, I did like the ending and I thought that it had some bright points and writing for that, for that portion, but um, just kind of where the rest of it, it fell off is what we had discussed earlier, kind of. Uh, and on that note, before we move on, like the ending, it did, <clears throat> it does come together very like almost too neatly. But you know, it's when you have that paranormal angle, like you know, you can excuse a lot of that. Like if these were like, I don't know, real people or or someone was like sneaking in messages, you know, it wouldn't make sense. But because right. they're ghosts, I guess it makes sense. But yeah, it's. It, it is corny, like, especially, like, with the kids, like, what they're saying to the actual grabber and stuff. It feels very, like, preteen-esque or, like, you know, like, yeah. teen horror movie. And that's – actually, that kind of perfectly sums up this whole movie. I feel like this is, like, a very young adult, teen, early entry horror movie. Like, it's not – it's nothing too, like, fucked up or anything. Like, the vibe of it is, you know – like I said, it's kind of like it, Stephen King-esque. And then mm-hmm. just like there's not too much horrific imagery or anything like that. There's a lot of jump scares. Uh, do you know the you know the poster on Letterboxd? Not, not um, actually, sorry. It's not on Letterboxd. It's the one, it was the one on, um, it was the one that weirdly NCG used for their <clears throat> marketing. And he, it's oh, like him, know. It's he's all red and he has his hands up and there's like blood dripping down his hands. Oh no! Like I that poster that is. Am- I'll send you a picture of it. That poster is amazing, and you think it's going to be like you think the movie is going to be like darker based on that alone. And I guess I don't know if my expectations were that. Like I feel like even Sinister is a little bit darker. I know that movie went down on a rewatch for me, but mm-hmm. I feel like that's even a little bit darker than this. And yeah, just basically tying back to that same point, it felt like that ending just felt like so. Uh, like young adult, you know, writing or or novel esque or whatever. But I do like when they were going through all the all of like their attempts at escapes or whatever, like and they weren't working. You know, I was thinking like, well, what's what is going to be the thing that gets him out? And then in the end, it it all comes together. It's it's satisfying in that way, but yeah, it just does right. feel a little a little corny. So no, definitely. And I did find that poster. And that poster is sick as hell. Oh like, yeah, with the, isn't with that the amazing? Old, like, <laughs> the old like seventies looking kind of poster with the font yeah, and everything. It's, he's he's all red. He looks like the devil in it, and he has like yeah. blood dripping down his hands. Yeah, that poster is amazing. I, but it's really cool because he has a ring on his finger too, which seems mm, like I don't know how closely I looked at. Kind it. of, it feels like that. I mean, if you put that in the poster, I feel like that should be a prominent part of the movie. And there was nothing. It feels like things got cut from this movie that mm-hmm. that we don't know about. Like I don't know if it all made it to um to theater. I feel like it might have an unrated version because like 
in all actuality, should this, I mean, was, could this be rated R? Like, I feel like it's a very soft R rating because other than some, like when the girl bashes against head and like the, the themes, I guess are more adult, but yeah, like of with kid abuse and bullying or not really bullying or there is bullying, but I mean, definitely not necessarily an adult topic, but, (laughs) um, no, I don't yeah, definitely bullying, but not adult topic. Yeah, but uh, other than that, I mean, I feel like it really wasn't that heavy. I mean, no, yeah, this could have been PG thirteen, and they might have made more money from it. Like, yeah, I don't I know mean, how well it's doing. Cut... It's horror, so it's Blumhouse. It's gonna make money no matter what they do these on pretty tight budgets usually. Right. Yeah. I mean, like, if you're gonna cut things out, like, to cut it to a point to where it's PG thirteen. And not just enough to keep it an R. Like, if you're trying to make it an R movie, then like, lean into that. Like, this could have been, this could have been really dark. And like, I mean, you could have had it bloody on this on his like mask. Like, anything with that mask would have been better than what we got out of it. Like, that's a dope ass mask, but there was like no yeah, the mask story was behind amazing. it, no reason, like no reason. I, I know it. that was so <laughs> that was so upsetting. Like, so. I, I could be dumb, but I guess his like career or job or whatever in the movie universe is like he's a magician or something like that. Well, it says abracadabra you... on the side of his car. Yeah. Okay. So okay. So I was okay. I didn't know if they like said that explicitly or if I just like missed it or what the hell was going on. But yeah. Okay. So he's apparently like some magician. That would have been cool to see like him using like the mask or like his personality interacting with kids, something like that. But they just really give you nothing with the grabber outside of <laughs> what they do. Like, you know? Yeah. No, he was like, so let vague. me show you a magic trick. Let me show you a magic trick. And it's like, it's just a canister and he just shoves it. <laughs> like, yeah. like, it's not even like a cool, <laughs> like a cool grabbing approach. Like, he didn't it, look know, like, it's... oh, is that black balloons in your car? Yeah. Fuck you. Like, smell this shit. It's like, yeah, what are it's you? it's pretty lame. <laughs> it was so, like, it just fell, fell pretty short. Um, of it fell pretty short of what my expectations. I mean, it does sound like a rag on. I did actually um enjoy the movie. Um, but I mean, overall, but it's it one just, of those where it's like, yeah, you were watching it and enjoying it because it's all new and you love horror movies. You know, like, is yep, this? Yep. Do you honestly think you're going to return to this very often? Or like, when people talk about great horror movies, is this something you're going to bring up? I mean, no. <laughs> okay. No, exactly. I mean, this falls in line with. I mean, I'd put this on like a typical shutter original for me honestly like yeah it and felt I mean, it felt like that yeah and you've seen a lot even a lot better shutter originals than this i'm sure yeah. so oh yeah yep. um, so yeah yeah just there was a lot of um logical things too I, I know i don't know how much we got i'm trying to remember everything we went over last time but the whole brother thing like with him um <laughs> researching the grabber and like trying to solve this crime and all that stuff like it, him like falling asleep in his kitchen with the mask on and this belt like it doesn't make any sense like does his brother ever roam the house like does he ever go into the kitchen on his own like there's and then there's mm-hmm. a padlock on the front door like facing the other way does he how does he get out does he know the combination to this lock like there's just so many things with the brother like living being in that house that make absolutely no sense to me i yeah what i don't understand is yeah, like the lock. So he he was either like passed out when this happened, 
that Ma- the Max had to have been either passed out or something. But I mean, the cops show up, and I think it's nighttime when they show up, mm-hmm. and like they just he they walk right in the door, and he lets them in. So it's like, when does he lock the door? Well, at all? Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't he say when he gets to the door, like, um, uh, hold on, like, give me a minute or whatever, and he's, I'm, I'm assuming he's like getting the lock done, undone, then. Oh, I don't know. I didn't catch that. That might. I mean, that would make sense. And yeah, but I, I mean, either way, it's it's just weird that <laughs> there's that lock in that. Like he doesn't. It feels like he just has is clueless to everything when he's like, they're right in his basement. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. It it was dumb. Just the brother thing, <laughs> and then yeah, the girl like. All the stuff with the girl, we we talked about her like performance of it, and she was good. But like her, um, her being able to, you know, have those dreams and those visions stuff. I I understand like why they have it in the movie, like to get the cops to certain places because otherwise, I don't know how they would do that like in a satisfying way. But um, yeah, I really didn't care for like just her overwrite like her some of her statements being like so overwritten like obviously for comedy and then really I, I feel like they didn't really need her at all either because she leads them to one house but it's actually the other house like it's really all thin that how he gets away right yeah um i'm looking like kind of in the backstory of this and i guess this was um, it was already made from in a in a thing called London After Midnight, and that if you look at the face of this character, like the way that they kind of um, changed it to this mask is kind of kind of cool. So this hmm. uh, this is, must be something. There's obviously a backstory or history here. Um, it was Lon. It was Collider said the mask in the post revoked Lon Chaney's character from London After Midnight, which. If that's cool that's pretty cool i mean the way that he looks and the way that the mask looks it looks pretty similar like it's a cool cool um re redux of it or a cool like London after midnight yeah look up the grabber's appearance was compared to this <clears throat> um mm. yep. but yeah anyway it could have been a lot cooler. Like I, I even think like if we're if we're talking, you know, comparing Stephen King to his son in this st- short story, like even it, the movie, I think that it definitely is R-rated just because it's. I think it's a lot darker and a lot um, heavier thematically than this mm-hmm. one, and this just feels like a almost like a. Knock, like a knockoff <laughs> it dude I, I as you're talking about it i'm like thinking and yeah it's exactly right like it draws them in with balloons like he's like hey mm-hmm. you want a balloon and then you know like he a magician <laughs> and a clown yeah a clown but like and then that that draws negatives towards this movie because you think of it's just like it like pennywise the clown i should say not it pennywise is like so charismatic and like draws these kids kids in to him and then you know praise upon their fear and stuff and like this i don't i don't really know what they're saying just besides like don't trust strangers but like that's so obvious 
Yeah, stranger danger. Don't don't yeah. walk up to a guy in a black van <laughs> with a mask on. I guess I don't know. Yeah. Um. Uh, <clears throat> and then um, fuck. What was what was I gonna say? Um. Oh yeah, we I think we touched on the dad briefly, but um, just like the ending with him. So they're like in the the Finn and his sister are like in the ambulance, and then he walks up and is just like. Oh, I'm like so sorry for everything. I'm so sorry. And then like it kind of feels like they're trying to make him like redeemable, but he's just like a piece of shit through the whole movie. I don't get I hated that ending with him. Like, I don't know, it just it felt really dumb. I think his arc started a little before that. I mean, technically when they um Well him saying da- like he Yeah, like he doesn't want the daughter to be like the mom or whatever because she went crazy for it and like she committed suicide, right? Like I get that he doesn't right. want that to happen to his daughter but there's no change in like like that's really the only thing he just says that there's no change in like his behavior or anything or like does he like it's always the sister that's leading the charge to go find him like you would think Mm -hmm. he and then there's a moment where she's like that you know don't be mad but i you know the dreams or whatever and i don't know like that seemed uh, did he take her out to look for her yeah, yeah, that's what I was gonna okay. say. That's a redeeming. Like he listened to I, her. Okay, I, so I I get that, but the way so this comes down to like directing then because the way that was done, like it didn't it didn't put enough like emphasis on him <clears throat> not you know like changing having a change of heart and going along with it. It was just right. like a it, it felt so matter of fact. Like okay, yeah, like we'll go do this because like I know what you're saying. Like that as soon as I said, it, I was like, okay, he took her. So he believed her or he wanted to, right? Um, you know, show her that he that he cares. But I don't know. It, just the way that was done just felt kind of bad. And the whole ending felt like he was still kind of irredeemable or hadn't earned that, I guess, at that point. But right. Yep. Yeah, it was it alluded to it, but it wasn't a strong enough inclination to like care <laughs> like it didn't For give sure. you enough reason to care about his arc at all it was it was he was pretty unredeemable <laughs> early on and it's unless he had a he would have had to change drastically throughout to for you to care and he just doesn't it does he doesn't get enough on um, screen time for you to to come to that conclusion either so it's it just i think that falls short for sure yeah um i think that's probably about it as long as it's like nitpicks logic problems Everything like that. Um, yeah. Horror. Anything else? Um, I did. Yeah, I did want to mention, I did um, like the score. I'm assuming it's a, like, not the score itself, but I liked the sound department. Like, I liked how it sounded. Like, um, going to be honest, it, I he's do really not good at the, the score at all. Well, it's, like I said, it's not really like a score, but the, it's like the screeches and like the, the, the crescendos okay. of stuff and the, sound the actual, design, the, maybe? Uh, yeah, the sound design. The composer actually did is did the witch and the lighthouse. Believe it mm. or not. So it's I obviously skilled. I just, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like I said, there was cool parts. I, like the the intro. I remember the title, the intro scene, like or the introducing of the names and stuff. Um, that yeah, was the, the title scene. The opening credits. Like <laughs> I was blinking. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The, I know. Um, yeah, that was that was very um, shrilly and very like high. Yeah, I mean, it looks like, like I'm strings, looking at his you know. 
filmography now, it looks like he just does pretty much all horror. So makes sense for him to there do was. it. He stay he's staying in his lane. I'm sure if I isolated it, I'd be like, Oh yeah, this is pretty good, but it just wasn't memorable in the movie. Right. But the sounds exactly. I, yep. I know I know what you're talking about. Like the yeah. Um all right, well let's slap a rating on her. What are you gonna give the black phone? I gave it a very, very light three. Probably should have been lower initially, but I logged it and can't change it. So Well, I'm a heavy two, so we're probably closer than we closer than it looks. Yeah, yeah. Looks like a full star, but I probably could have done two and a half. Yeah, same. But... I could probably do the same. So All right, well let's uh let's run through some nano reviews real quick. Um I got a couple things. Yep, I have five or four, unless we're gonna do cha cha another time. Um, do we think Jacob is gonna watch it? He said he was gonna. Okay, well then, sure. Let's just save it. I mean, we are um, trying to make this a little bit briefer of an episode, so. Sure. Uh, go ahead. Cool. I so got two things. Uh, uh, yep, sticking with the John Carpenter. Um, I don't think I talked about this yet. Sticking with the John Carpenter um, filmography, I watched They Live, um, regarded as one of his best, um, definitely one of his most political, that's for sure. Um, essentially, um, you have Roddy Piper, who's the poor man's, um, the poor man's, uh, fuck, who's the guy in... Uh, Escape from New York. Uh, Russell. Um, <laughs> Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell. I just, Roddy yeah, I Piper. Like, Russell. I know it's Russell. The poor man's. Yeah. yeah the poor Kurt man's Russell. Kurt Russell. Um, and he actually does a pretty good job considering, I mean, he obviously he's a, he's a professional wrestler or was. Um, and he did ex- actually pretty good in this. I mean, no, nothing um, acting wise was egregious. Um it just was pretty on the nose for me. And I think that that kind of the politicalness of it kind of was like a little too much and too point poignant for me. Um, but overall I did thoroughly what, enjoy you, it. So what, what do you mean the politicalness? Like, is it like heavy handed in saying, choosing like a, a, a side here of the political spectrum or what's, um, I've never heard essentially, this. I've never heard this. I've never seen it. I've never, but I've never heard this critique either. Yeah, so essentially, um, so the movie he they they um, there's like aliens in in Earth on Earth that most people they just like walk around they look like humans, um, no one really knows what they um, that they are aliens other than this one um, group that ends up uh, manufacturing these sunglasses and the sunglasses are what um, you're able to see things as they truly are so. Oh, that's um, the cover. When you put, you, yep. So when you put the glasses on, that's when he sees these alien things, and it's all in black and white, and it looks very, <laughs> um, like retro, like sci-fi, um, space race kind of, um, 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 or um, aesthetic. And so when he's, when he sees these, you look at billboards, and it, they just say things like "Do not question authority," "Obey." Um, couple other things that, well, that was basically like propaganda saying like the government is showing you these ads but really they just want you to l- listen to what they're saying and kind of turn a blind eye at it and don't look don't look into things just look at them for surface value rather than right 
you know, diving into what they actually are saying. So that was, you know, and I think it's pretty, it's pretty deliberate. Um, you know, I think it ha- had a lot to do with like the, you know, the seventies the into the eighties of being, you know, against authority and um, against government. And I think that that's, that's when this came out or it was late eighties. So, um, but basically it just, yeah, like it felt a little bit too political at times. I get what he was going for and I, I appreciate it and it makes sense in the space, but it was just a, like a little too, too much for me. And then um, you do get a lot of um, 80s tropes, um, w- which you expect, but doesn't make him less corny or not. So it was definitely corny, at, very corny at times. Um but as as with all John Carpenter's movies, um, directing wise, it's airtight as anything. I mean, the guy has is highly skilled, and I don't think anyone will ever question that. And arguably, the best horror director, or one of the best horror directors, you know, I ever. Watch some so, of his non-horror stuff to see. Just yeah, just, just I'm gonna to watch balance it. Yeah, I want to watch uh, Star or Star Man or Star. I forget. Um, escape from New York is the two escapes um, uh, or escape from New York big trouble and big trouble little, little China. China. Yeah. That's what I'm most interested on your thoughts. Cause I did not care for that movie at all. And people like, I know there's like a lot of nostalgia attached to it and people like it for other reasons, but I just, I don't know. I couldn't get into it. I've only seen it once could definitely use a rewatch, but yeah, I would be uh, interested to hear you talk about that eventually. Yep. Yep. I'm, I'm, I'm planning on hitting all of this horror first and then, well, his old horror, like I've seen The Ward and stuff, which was mm-hmm. not very good. But when he was in his prime, he was definitely yeah, yeah, knocking yeah. out bangers. So, <laughs> um, yep. So I ended up landing on a um, four star on this one. All right. Nice. Uh, well, speaking of classic directors, I uh, watched a little movie called Repulsion from the boy RP, Roman Polanski. Um, watch this, uh, so I could listen to, um, a Cinephiles Digest episode that, uh, discussed it. Shout out Cinephiles Digest. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, um, I guess a lot, I've only seen a few Roman Polanski movies, but, um, a lot of his early stuff kind of deal with this, um, anxiety driven women. And, um, it's basically about. Uh, I'll just read the synopsis real quick. A sex-repulsed woman who disapproves of her sister's boyfriend sinks into into depression and has horrific visions of rape and violence. Um, so pretty. This was his first English language film. Um, I'm sure it was pretty shocking at the time, 1965. It doesn't like. It's not too graphic. With there's like multiple rape scenes and like sexual assault scenes. So I'm sure it was very graphic at the time, and I think it gets a little extra credit for those things like actually having the balls to put those on screen at the time um those are not to sound like a fucking weirdo or creep but those are some of the best scenes uh they do something interesting with like a clock ticking and basically no audio except for uh, that and you're just like it's very silent it's very uncomfortable it's obviously meant to be that way but um yeah it doesn't really the motivation or the explanation for like why she is that way is kind of weak. And 
I don't really think the acting is that good. I I don't want to dog on her too bad because she's English is not her first language, but the main actress um, just felt a little a little weak for me. But uh, opening titles are amazing. That shot on the eye, and it it's just like a all the words or all the titles are like in the pupil of her eye. It's pretty good. Um, nice. I mean, there's some interesting things going on, but yeah, it's it's kind of boring or not kind of it's very boring <laughs> and um, a little <laughs> bit repetitive as well. Um, it's just it's a lesser version of men. If you're uh, if you don't oh. like that, then you know. So I like it more. <laughs> No, just kidding. It's uh, it's a little bit different, but it is basically just over and over saying that men are bad. Like that's pretty much the main <laughs> message over and over. Men again. bad. Yeah. Um. Yeah. This. Uh, what I s- mentioned to Travis at one point. You know, repulsion uh, walks so Rosemary's baby could run, and that's uh, that's basically how I feel about it. Nice. Was it right before that then? It was um two years before that. It, it, he might have done a movie in between, but yeah, I think he um pretty much went from this to Rosemary's Baby, so. Rosemary Baby, still on the list for me. Much more interesting. Yeah, you have to watch that. Uh, that movie is amazing. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I, it's going to be soon. I got to, it's not something Chris will watch, so I got to find a time where I can watch it by myself. Right, it's kind of long too, so that's, but don't let it turn you yeah. off. I think that movie flies by. Anyway, Repulsion. Well, it's only um, two and a half, right? Yeah, Repulsion feels longer than Rosemary's Baby, and it's, Rosemary's Baby is almost an hour longer, so um, I probably it's probably closer to a two and a half from like some of the filmmaking and just like imagery. But uh, two and a half is something that like I would want to rewatch or you know give it another chance or whatever. And I just don't feel like I'm there with Repulsion, so I gave it a two. Um, who knows? Well, maybe we'll do a Polanski Premium one day and uh, revisit it. Yeah. Down. <laughs> cool. Um, moving on. I got around to watching Mad God. Mad Dog. Mm. <laughs> By yeah, Phil Tippett. <laughs> or Tippett, Tippett, however you pronounce it. Your title. Yeah. Yep. Mad Dog. Um, so um side note, I did start this um and then my power went out ha- like about halfway through. <laughs> So I wasn't able, then I wasn't able to watch it the next day. So I did watch it the following day, but I rewound it a little bit. (laughs) I went back a little bit just to try and remember what was, the hell was happening, but didn't matter because as another, as another pretext, whatever, if I knew more about this movie, I could have predicted that you wouldn't love it. I just want to throw that out there. Yeah. And that is exactly the case. (laughs) <laughs> there is nothing going on in this movie. You have no idea what the hell's happening. I knew you literally. Say. Yeah, it's more and of like a vibe. Watch, there's like there's no dialogue. It's more of like a vibe. Yeah, and it's like and the dialogue that is is like grunting and like Yeah. It's like like distorted and a like an unspeakable <laughs> like not an actual like it's literally gibberish talking like uh-huh. and it is just and in terms of animation and like technical technical aspects of this, it is groundbreaking and absolutely incredible. I mean, thirty years in the making, um, and you can feel it. Like this is a love letter to stop animation, and mm-hmm. I appreciate that a lot. And I appreciate all the effort and 
everything that went into this. I mean, it is absolutely incredible to see an hour and a an hour and a half movie, eighty three minute movie, um, done this way. It's it's absolutely insane how everything is like practical or some some form of practical effect with and even even the they have human characters in it and even the human characters are filmed in stop motion which is actually insane um to think about because i mean you watch and you're like for a second you're like is this a real human or not and then but aside from all that well and i don't want to speak out of turn i don't know that much about it but um if uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, there's I mean obviously studios like Leica and stuff do that stuff all the time, but um, <clears throat> this was done by one guy I think. Like I'm pretty sure like all was, the animation and stuff was just like one guy doing it. Whereas like those movies come out, might, might um, not all the time. Those movies come out, but they have like a whole uh, production team and studio and stuff. And this was, I think for the most part, just him doing it the um what's the guy's name Tippett or whatever that you said phil Tippett. yep phil Tippett. yeah the guy um, from star wars yeah i mean i don't he it, set decoration has about nine credits production design is just him production art department is 20 people so i don't know who how many people were involved in the actual um the actual movement of the of the characters um but either way other than that this movie did not make any sense whatsoever you're basically it's just like a anthology almost and it's it's like each scene just doesn't mean anything like it's just feels like the scene is just there to be like wow like you to look at it and be like wow this is really awesome animation and they're just like okay this is it's just all window shopping and eye candy hmm. and there's nothing to it <laughs> i i didn't i didn't understand what was happening at all and the, my attention yeah, span it's to a try plotless, but yeah I, and the, my attention how. span to try and watch it was like i had to, i was forcing myself to watch this thing cause, mm. just because of how off the wall and weird and i mean it was grotesque i mean you have you have these things eating shit, literal people like human diarrhea, human and that's like matter. part of yeah, and that's like their fucking energy source. It's just absolutely disgusting and vile. And uh, like other than that, other than the technical things, I pretty much hated this movie. So um, that's kind of where where my Yikes. where my score came from. Um, so five stars for the animation, one star for the or half star for the movie <laughs> balances out for a 2.5 for me. Oh God. Okay. <laughs> I, uh, I finally rewatched, um, baby driver. I hadn't seen it since oh, the theaters. Yep. Um, wanted to, uh, revisit this one and yeah, it's still pretty good. It's still really good. Um, but it definitely went down on a rewatch for me. I feel like, it is trying very hard, like in the same way that Edgar Wright always does, but like it just doesn't land in this, like that sense that the Cornetto trilogy does. Like I feel like that same, the same like 
they're trying so hard, like the comedic timing and everything, but it just doesn't, it doesn't like work as well. Oops. doesn't work as well in this movie. And I think the best part is definitely the cop, uh, the armed, the armory deal or whatever with, with it's, uh, the shots are lined up to the music. And I know most of the movie is supposed to be that way, but you really feel it in that scene. And I, I don't know. I didn't feel it like it didn't feel as impactful in the rest of the movie, but um, it's still pretty cool and stylish. Just, I don't know, just didn't work as well for me this time. So had it at a four, went down to a three and a half, probably, I was gonna say it probably won't go much lower than that if I had to guess. Can't go lower than that, but yeah, unless I'm unless I find something else that I'm missing, I don't know. I don't see it going higher than that. So yeah, glad I got, finally got around to rewatching it though, because it's been a, I the first time I saw it was in theaters and um it was like a bad theater experience. So I was like, oh maybe maybe it'll go up, you know, but uh, unfortunately mm-hmm. did not. So, yeah, that was Baby Driver. Do you have anything else? Cool. Yep. I have one more. All right. And that is Michael Mann's Thief. So I watched. Oh, uh, yeah. I don't know. I, f- I was like, I don't know. Um, Carissa <laughs> said that she wanted to watch a, like a good, good movie. I like typed in best movie streaming on something and it popped up. And it was on Prime, I believe. Um, so I was like, yeah. And I looked at the letterbox and Travis loves this movie oh yeah a lot and of people do this is when travis is watching it i'm gonna come <laughs> that's travis yep. um <laughs> so it is really cool and kyle if you, i know you have it on your watch list so yeah, i would advise watch, i would advise so. <laughs> so here's here's my little segue into so you baby driver mm-hmm. baby driver drive drive thief because Thief and Drive are very similar, I think. Someone drew this drew the parallel between them um, in one of the reviews I read, and I was like, oh, okay. I kind of like that. And it's like a uh, professional that, that um, you know, deal, or a professional at what they do, and they um, go to their own beat, and they don't listen to whatever, and they, they, they want to be solitary. Love interest comes in, mm. kind of blows that up blows that up and then basically you know um doesn't work out um but right the, the, I, I think the, i've seen i mean i've seen those um <clears throat> yeah those parallels before like just like you know looking at movies or whatever and yeah this movie has been on my watch list for so long so yep so it's on prime um and i i mean james Kahn. i mean this guy's i don't know what i don't know if if he got any nods for this or whatever, but just the way that he is in this character, it just feels like a character perfectly written for him. Like, I think it's even better than his Godfather role. Like, this felt like James Khan on fucking screen, just being James Khan. It was like it was just so perfect, and the way the the way the writing was, the dialogue, the lines that he delivered or had to deliver. He delivered them with like, like the utmost precision, and it was actually insane how how good of a job he did on this. And I don't, I mean, it was incredible, and just his mannerism, everything, everything about it was just so 
so tight and so written well for for um james con and that was like part of the reason why i loved it so much um i don't think this can get to a five star um simply because a lot of it felt rushed so like the ending wasn't super satisfying for me necessarily i did like it a lot um, but i do think that it felt rushed and the overall like beats that happen kind of throughout the timeline like i know you don't have to necessarily always show or say how much time has passed or what's going on but it it just kind of was like this this one bad thing would happen and then the next scene is like something good happened and it was just like like a time gap you don't really know what's going on but um other than that like the performances were great i mean um jim belushi is in it uh they have this this really cool scene of them breaking into like um an elevator shaft and like all the shit that they do and um it's like it's a pretty awesome scene and then them actually breaking into one of the vaults is like an awesome like an absolutely incredible scene like i was like just staring at it and lost in the scene because of how like like it's something that you just i don't like a heist like a thief heist movie i they a lot of them don't go into this much detail and this much um like he went to so much detail in in how they broke into things and how how all the intricate details that go into a um you know a robbery actually ha- actually happens so that was really cool um and then robert prosky who is like the like um a kingpin of sorts uh he's like a mob boss he does an extremely good job in his there's this one scene in particular where he's just like standing over um james Conn's character and he's just talking to him and like this scene is just like a very long like almost like a monologue but it's just him looking up and you're like he's standing over him and the cameras so he's like actually like looks like he's upside down um and he's just talking to him like and the way that he says things and oh my goodness that was an awesome scene like the writing is actually incredible overall i think um in this film but just the overall rush rushness oh you get some great 80s synthwave vaporwave um music um i think the 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 uh, musician or band or whatever that created it is called like tangerine dreams or yeah, something like that do. oh yeah they've done tons of scores for uh oh. older movies 80s. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you look Makes up their sense, so. their like <clears throat> movie credits, yeah, you'll see quite a bit. They've done they did the original really Firestarter. Your your favorite. Yeah, exactly. Banger. So they did the original Firestarter and and um, John Carpenter did the new one. <laughs> yeah. Um true. Bangers, bangers. Um yeah, other than that, um just that rush part if it I think it could have been even longer. It was uh, 2 hours 3 minutes. I think it could easily been two and a half and i would have probably liked it a little bit more but just personal preference i would like would to hear travis's what what oh prime what? Oh, okay yep, yeah i'm it's on, on prime watch it soon, so maybe um maybe next time i get a free i don't know a couple hours i'll pop on it yeah i would highly recommend it highly recommend it and i i don't think i'm not too familiar with i mean i know michael mann obviously and i've seen couple of his movies but i haven't mm. seen like his older like i haven't seen heat um 
mm. which is supposed to be like really good, I guess. And then um, Man I like Heat a lot. I, I think seen. I think Heat is a little overrated, but just again my personal preference. So yeah, hopefully Thief um, Thief goes beyond that. Yep, yep. So um, ended up at a four point five for Thief. Very nice. Very nice. Okay, um, I think that does it for nano reviews. So we'll uh, we'll end things there. Like I said, trying to keep it a little bit shorter. Uh, next week on the show, I think we're doing Elvis. Um, we will have know. to see. <laughs> we'll see. Or the other option would be to just change Cha Cha Slide to our feature, and then we'll get to Elvis when we get to it. Um, because that we already watched it. It's streaming. Um. And we're Potential probably gonna have to do a man from Toronto. <laughs> yeah, yeah man from Toronto, exactly. Um, yeah, because oh yeah, yeah, that pair that with man from Toronto, exactly. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll have to do another remote recording just because summer's insane. It's uh, the fourth coming up, so yeah, we'll um, we'll keep you posted. But uh, that's that's the plan. One of those, either Cha Cha Slide and Man from Toronto, or um, or Elvis. So. Stay tuned for that. All right. Anything else from you? Nope. Okay. If you want to uh, send us a question or comment, you can follow us, uh, or sorry, you can email us at southerncinemapodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Instagram at southerncinemapodcast. Uh, we are officially on TikTok. I was going to say, Suds make sure you add that in there. Yeah. Huge. Doing absolutely huge things on TikTok. So um, we'll probably post some more uh, after this weekend. We'll get some some more burr tiktoks up so yeah follow us on there um comment how stupid josh is how we can't get miller light um but only if you're a middle-aged <laughs> yeah, man that wears sunglasses um and make bald. sure you comment that yep and you're bald <clears throat> um but yeah besides that uh shit i'm on letterboxd and untapped at the kg project and i am on both those platforms at josh underscore saldana all right thanks for listening cheers guys cheers